Hi, welcome back to That's Helpful with me, Ed Stott. This week, something a little different. If you've been listening along, you know that in each episode, it is my mission to give you something that helps you live your best life. Whether that's a new perspective, a fresh piece of information, or a skill you've yet to develop. If you take something away each week that helps you, I am a very happy woman. That said, all of the episodes so far have been about the inside, but this week we're talking about the outside. More specifically, injectables. They're not for everyone, but for some, they are absolutely life-changing. But it's so hard to get good impartial information when you're thinking about getting fillers or anti-wrinkle injections. Enter Rachel Hornbuckle. She's a cosmetic injector with over eight years' experience as a registered nurse in cosmetic dermatology. She's incredible at what she does. Side note, she's also a fantastic stand-up comic. Actually, that's how we met doing nights together here in Brisbane. In this episode, I wanted to give you a bit of an Injectables 101. If you're thinking about getting them, have already had them, or you know someone who wants them, I have no doubt you'll find this conversation super helpful. We cover everything from what you can have, what's fixable, the risks, what to do if something goes wrong, how to find a good injector, plus a bunch of other useful things. Before we get started, I just have to mention that this podcast does not constitute medical advice and it is not intended to function as a substitute for a healthcare practitioner's judgment, patient care or treatment. That said, let's get into it. I started by asking Rachel what's out there and what's available when it comes to injectables. The basic of injectables would be anti-wrinkles, which is a neurotoxin that works on the muscle um, neuron synapse. So people think it works on the muscle, but it actually works. It talks to the little synapse and says, don't do that anymore. And then the muscle stops working because people confuse the two all the time. Um, Hydrolonic acid, dermal fillers and neurotoxins. So neurotoxin works on like your frown, your forehead, your crows, and then you have all these little guys here. So anything that moves, you can treat with anti-wrinkle. Then when we talk about, there's lots of different types of dermal fillers. The main one that we use is hydrolonic acid fillers. So that hydrolonic acid is what we already have in our body. It's what keeps us young and useful and it's just made in the lab and then put into our body. And then you have lots of different other fillers like polylactic fillers, which is your more permanent fillers, but will also stimulate collagen. The reason that I choose, and I'm sure every other injector chooses to use hydrolonic acid fillers is because they are reversible if you have a problem. So those are your two main basic ones. And then when you look at PRP, that's rich platelet plasma. I used to, I worked in a clinic in London. That's all we did. It's good. It's, it's great. It rejuvenates the skin, but it's not going to give you the results that you're probably after. And that's where the the blood's taken from you. It's spun down, the platelets are separated from your blood and then injected back in, right? Yeah. So they actually use it a lot in healing and regenerating like um, joints. Oh, wow. Like heaps of sport medicine people use it. I used to work in a clinic and we used it for um, erectile dysfunction. No way! Yeah. Look, I don't know if it worked, but I, I reckon it was placebo, but I think placebo effect is still an effect so a hundred percent yeah I just don't think there's enough studies to support it and it doesn't really make sense but I still think you're doing something to the body which must be working I think the biggest thing in cosmetics is you're making the body do something it doesn't usually do so to generate collagen so like skin needling is 
um, putting, so that's what we were talking about, PRP and skin needling. It's making a controlled wound. If you pierce the skin, the skin goes, oh, my God, that's a wound, and it freaks out. And it's like we've got to make the body heal itself. So when the body heals itself, it generates um, elastins and collagens, which makes our skin look plumper and nicer. So when you harm the skin, it creates new, fresher skin and whatnot. When we're talking specifically about injectables, so thinking about those injectables that paralyze the muscles and mm-hmm. the filler, mm. there are obviously different brands. And I know we can't talk about specific brands, but is there a difference? And should we be concerned with what brand our practitioner is using? Or is it more important that we focus on the skills of the practitioner that we choose to see? Absolutely, the skills. That's a really great question. Australia is very, very good at regulating what we use. Um, We are very different to other countries. So in the UK, there's so many brands. In Australia, we just have very certain brands. Um, There's two leading brands, but that's not because they're better or anything like that. It's they've been around the longest. Um, I still use both of those brands. And then there's another one that I use a lot of. I don't think it's for our patients to worry about what brand we're using unless they've had a bad experience with it. There is a incredible doctor in the UK and he uses a brand that you would be like, mm, is it that good? There's definitely better ones, but he gets incredible results. So it really is just skill-based. And what kind of training, what kind of um, qualifications do you have to be to become an injector? So this is a huge, huge chat at the moment with what's going Mm. on in Australia. So anti-wrinkle and dermal filler is a medication. Mm -hmm. And all you need to inject a medication into someone is to have a Bachelor of Nursing and someone who will prescribe. So I can't prescribe my own drugs because I can't administer any drug without a prescription and I can't write my own prescriptions. That is the most basic of training that you need in Australia, which is not great. So there's these huge talks at the moment of what we should be doing to regulate the cosmetic industry. It'll be interesting to see what happens because so many people are going into it. I'm very lucky because I have a lot of experience. I have eight years experience. I've been injecting four years and I see about 200 patients a month. So I can look at a face and be like, I've seen this before. This is how I'm going to treat it. And also I've seen a lot of, you know, we, we all make mistakes and I've been like, oh, maybe not mistakes, but I'm like, could have done it better this way. So I've taught, learned a lot. And I've also surrounded myself with people who know a lot as well. So, um, you all you need to be a cosmetic injector is a bachelor of nursing so if you know it's up to us then to figure out who to go and see and you know as you say you know it's the skill of the practitioner is much more important than the the medication or the injectable that's being used how do we tell if this person is a good injector are there are there certain things to look out for are there red flags to avoid like what what should we be looking for I would probably go off word of mouth if you can, Mm. but how do you choose the best injector? Maybe looking at their years of experience, but then there's some injectors who have been injecting two years and and because they keep up with the education, they're better than your 20-year-old injector who's not keeping up with the skills. I think the biggest thing is at the end of the day safety because this is a medical procedure and if something goes wrong, you want to – trust your practitioner um if anyone's ever coming to see me for the first time and they're a little bit on the fence I'm like have a think about it come back 
I want you to trust me. That's the most important thing. Um, more advanced techniques I don't do on people the first time that I meet them because if something was to go wrong, I want to know that we both trust each other. Who you feel comfortable with um, and asking those questions, how long have you been injecting, what would you do if something went wrong? Yeah, totally. Is there anything that, like, if if I if you walked into somebody's office and you were thinking, okay, I'm going to get treatment, and you saw them do something or, you know, is there anything that's like a huge red flag that that if you see it happening or even if you notice it on social media you should really avoid this is probably more of a personal thing to me I don't like ego I don't think there should be ego in this industry if you don't feel comfortable and don't just go along with things if you feel pushed into a situation or convinced into a situation then I would say hey maybe not it's not a about the first treatment it's about what are they going to do when something goes wrong are they able to support you look after you um i've heard a lot of patients like my patients have told me they've had previous experience with other injectors who have blocked them or yeah isn't that crazy so insane (laughs) blocked them ignored them said that's fine don't worry about it um i'm sure these are rare instances but i have heard them i had a patient she got her lips done and she didn't like them and she went back to the practitioner and the practitioner said well i like them and all my friends like them and it's like what who cares (laughs) i'm like yeah but they're on my face like probably someone who doesn't validate you and because some people come into me and they say oh i hate this this and this and i'm like actually i love this about you this is what's beautiful about you if you really hate it yes, I can treat it, but what if we did something like this which would compliment you? I think ask lots of questions. If you feel comfortable, go ahead with it. There is so many injectors these mm. days that if you're not happy, you can just move on to the next one. Like, And it's about having that relationship with your practitioner, which is really so important. Um, so you feel comfortable yeah and so on that if I come to you you know for a consultation and as mm. you say you're not pushing mm. things on me but there is that um like balance between what I think I want and what you know mm. actually needs to happen so like where should we fall like how much should I decide what I need and how much should you decide like how, how where, where does that balance fall if I really think it's not going to suit your face I won't do it If I think it's going to take away from what you already have, I'm just like, look, you're probably best to find someone else. If someone turns you away, it's because they care about you. I think a lot of the time people come in with this preconceived notion that they're going to sit down, get everything done, sit back up and have a new face. That's not how I do my procedures. I'm like, this is a collaboration. So if at any point you're like, actually, I was more so thinking this, we can change it to that. Or if I don't think it's a good idea, I'll tell you why. Heaps of girls want their lips to go out from the side like this. And I'm like, that's so ugly. Like, I can't do that for you. Um, <laughs> and I show them why it's so ugly. And then they're like, yeah, you're right. I'm like, you don't want that. That's just yeah. what you've seen on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And yeah. so what, when people come to you, what's the most common things that people want? Uh, definitely lips they want their lips injected yeah and do people want like those super really big lips or people just want a bit of a boost most of the time people want no one to know um and you can't you really can't compare like when you first get your lips done it feels so good you like (laughs) honestly feel like that girl but and then I see people they just keep getting it done and I'm like hey let's talk to the others 
bit of your face now because you don't want to have these fresh lips and then everything else is aging like that doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah no that's not so good I one. try and have that chat I have a lot of that chat with people but people are scared to do other areas because they've seen things on Instagram that doesn't look good or they think they're going to have these huge you know whatnots a lot of people have work and no one could tell mm. like yeah I don't want anyone to know that you've ever had treatment from me unless you want to tell them in which case I'm grateful but yeah. yeah. And and like for example, you I know you've had a fair a fair amount of injections, <laughs> but there's no way anybody could tell. Yeah. Like I, when I first met you, I was like, really? There's no yeah. way. No way. It's so subtle. Yeah. Um, well, uh, it's interesting because when I, I'm doing my master's now, so I'm doing mm. my master's in nurse practitioners, um, and it really switched my clinical thinking a different way. Like before I used to be like, let's do things because they're pretty and it's fun. And now I go, let's do things because it's clinically indicated to do things. Mm. So we have all these fat pads in our face and when we're nice and young, like 18, they're um, – they all sit together and they're attached. And then when we age, they separate and they go down. So when I look at her face, I'm like, oh, I just need to put those fat pads back together and then she'll look how she looked years ago. Yeah. Or, But some people are also born with absolutely dark circles, no mm-hmm. tear troughs at all. So I'm like, yeah, you probably never had that and I can make you look less tired. Like that's clinically indicated. Some people have born with really small lips or no chin at all. And um yeah, I'm like, I can create that for you. What can you fix that would surprise me? Lots of things. If there's a problem, I can fix it. <laughs> yeah, people are like, what do I do for this? And I'm like, yeah, you just need a bit of neurotoxin. You just need this. Yeah. What's one of the things that um, has the biggest transformation? Replacing fat pads. So you'll, yeah, you'll notice it in people when, especially like through here, you'll see like a, so through the the top of the cheek yeah and when you just go doo, 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 it just puts it back in place a lot of things and it's so natural that no one would have any clue I'm more interested now in what we can do medically cosmetically like there's so many things that you can use neurotoxins for like teeth grinding heaps of people grind their teeth and they go to the dentist they get a splint and that's fixing symptoms not fixing the problem where I can just um put the muscle to sleep so it's not overbiting headaches I do a lot of migraines um huge amount of migraines where people get really bad tension through their um traps I inject through there I get that yeah it's super easy to fix I think one of the coolest thing is you can fix hay fever with if you spray toxin up your nose yeah and it'll last a whole season yeah which is really cool what that's so cool yeah they recently i'm such a nerd about this stuff recently i saw that they were using dermal filler for receding gum lines which is isn't that amazing yeah actually one of the hugest things for me a a huge interest of mine and i always talk about it but it sounds people get real funny about it so dermal filler in your labia helps for aging because it's just like our face when mm. this ages, um, the hydrolonic mm. acid in the area goes back and it exposes everything. So you get irritant, you get dryness, whatnot. So there's a few studies that have shown how successful it is to inject dermal filler into the labia majora. Mm. Majora? Yeah, the big ones. And um, <laughs> how <laughs> Yeah, the ones that cover everything. <laughs> And it makes, like, sex more enjoyable. It makes everything more comfortable down there. 
that's pretty cool. I'm very interested in that. There's also a few doctors, uh, not a lot, but few doctors that do penis enlargement with dermal filler. Wow. Yeah, but very few doctors do it because I think the insurance on it is huge. Yeah, like, you think so. You don't want necrosis in that area. Or just eat, like thinking about how sensitive and how many nerve endings are in that area, like, wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Same, Same with the labia, lot. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's true. I should look into that. Yeah. Um, and so if you go and get your fillers and like you say, you might have been convinced into something or it's not quite what you wanted and you come out and you mm. feel like you've been bloody botched, what can you do about it? Can you, you know, like, is yeah. it, does it depend on what you've had done? Like, what what can we do? There's a lot of things you can do. Mm. You're not stuck. Mm. If you walk out and you're like, oh, I'm not sure of this, that's okay. Wait a month mm. because it takes a month to completely settle. And then go back to your practitioner and have that conversation. But a lot of people don't like having those conversations. They feel very awkward. They feel like they're insulting the practitioner and then they don't feel heard. Um, A big thing is people always think that their face should be symmetrical on both sides. It shouldn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't add or take away from your beauty. Um, So I would ignore that. Um, But if you're like, this really isn't what I wanted, it doesn't suit my face, you can dissolve it. I and people are dissolving a lot of work these days because we're seeing old techniques that are still in the face that need dissolving before they start new work you nothing most things aren't permanent but you don't really want to have one medical procedure just to have another medical procedure like that seems it's a lot of money it's a lot of time and it will change your face um not permanently but in the Mm. interim um, you definitely can dissolve it or you can talk to an, a new injector and go, hey, this is what I don't like. What do you think of it? But you have to have mm. realistic expectations. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you come out and you hate it and you've been somebody and you've had a really bad experience, should you just not mm. go back to that person? It, it, re- it does depend. It does depend. If you really don't feel like you're being heard, um, just go somewhere else. Mm. Um, but the only reason I say go back is because if my patient wasn't happy, I'd want to know because it makes me a better Mm. practitioner. Um, but if you just don't feel comfortable, just move on. I think the, the, not the saddest thing, but one of the things that I get disheartened by is I see people that come to me and they're like, I had this horrible experience. This happened, this happened. And then I didn't get injectables for 10 years. And I'm like, well, it doesn't Mm. have to be like that. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can have a good experience. But in saying that medical, it is a medical procedure. Things can just happen. Like if Mm. really bad things like dropping your eyebrow with tox is really, really rare, but can still happen. Like making your forehead heavy, that's a risk. Having a bruise, that's a big risk. Like that is just what it is. But if you, I just don't sway yourself off it. But if you're like, look, wasn't for me, moved on and move on yeah but yeah yeah interesting and so do they all fade eventually yes oh yes and no so toxins work on a muscle and people like oh I don't want to do it we know that the medication only lasts three to four months we know this that's what the medication's life is um the results can last a little bit longer so people like why can't it just last for a year you don't really want to paralyze your muscles for a year yeah um 
you want to be able to move them because we're always aging. Our face is always changing. What I would have done to myself 10 years ago versus what I do now is two different things. We've got to change our path as we age. Dermal fillers can last um, anywhere from six months to two years. That's what they say. That's what they have to say because we have to give the drug a life, um, like a time span. However, there has been uh, a fair amount of studies that have proved some dermal fillers can last years and years and years. And, like, there was one study, the longest one that I saw was it can last up to 12 years. You don't really want that. There's things that I've done to my face, dermal fillers, and I've not needed to do for years and years and years. So it really depends on the person, their metabolism, how they – I meet some people who come back three years later, they're like, should I get my lips done again? I'm like, they look amazing. Mm. Like, no, just do it as you see fit. Like, you know what I Mm. mean? Um, So – I would say dermal fillers six months to two years is what they can last. You don't want it lasting any longer. Mm. And is, yeah, right. And so the, one of the things that like you're saying, the most common thing that you do is lip fillers. If people have lip filler over and over and over and over again, and you know, they have quite big lips and then they decide to get it dissolved or they decide they want a different look, will that actually change the way their lips are? permanently like does the skin stretch I've heard stories about people like having their lips dissolved and it looking terrible once they're dissolved it's definitely going to look terrible once it's dissolved but it's um HA natural HA in our body regenerates itself the smaller molecules of HA regenerate itself every six weeks like if you put something in like a balloon and it blows it up and then you take it out and it shrivels it back down of course that's going to happen Mm, like so you would wait a month see what the body naturally does and then if you want to refill you refill again and do it a better different way Mm. um but I've dissolved lips and I've been like you should just keep them here they look like your natural lips they look so beautiful and they're like no I want them bigger I'm like damn it (laughs) so like and and that's their choice um Mm. yeah but I if you google the dissolvent that people use, um, which is hydrolone days. Um, people are like, it ruined my face. It did this, it did that. It doesn't have that capability. If it did, we would be using it. If mm. I could take chunks out of people's faces, I'd be carving up cheekbones. It's not <laughs> able to do that. It's our body. And I think a lot of people think we're smarter than our body. You're, you're not. You've mm. got to respect anatomy. If people come in, they're like, I want this. I'm like, you're never going to have that. Like mm. you, they come in with a photo of a different girl. I'm like, that's never got, I can get you as close to that as possible, but that's not your face. Mm. Like, and so we have to be realistic. And that's so true, isn't it? There's no such thing as a free free lunch. Are there common side effects that we should be aware of? Um, maybe not side effects, but like not side effects, but risks. Mm. So for your neurotoxin, a side effect. Um, I've been doing getting it for so long that I never noticed them. <laughs> but for a first timer, is you can feel a little bit stuck. Mm. Um, for your first week or so until you get used to it because you've never not had it. Um, mm. You can get a headache for the first day. So risks with neurotoxins is it's a needle penetrating, so bruising. Um, if it was to move into the wrong muscle, you can get a drop or a droop or a um, unwanted result. If this happens, it's not forever. It's only for as long as the drug lasts, which is three to four months. Yeah. So those are your 
that would be my most common side effects. With dermal filler, there's more side effects because it's a more invasive procedure because we're putting a foreign material into the body, which isn't a bad thing. Like I say that and people are like, oh, that's terrible. It's like it's fine because um, it will integrate into your own body. So mm. that will take up to a month. So adverse risks with dermal filler, bruising, swelling, which is fine. They'll go away in a week. The biggest thing to notice is a vascular occlusion. So this is if we go into an artery and you block it with dermal filler and then the artery is no longer able to get blood through. If this happens, this is how I consult people. <laughs> if this happens, it'll go white, gray, numb, tingly. Um, you have to get it reversed. If it doesn't, the skin starts to die and then you lose. Getting skin back, regenerating skin is very hard. So this is super rare. This is very, yeah. very rare, but it can still happen. Um, I've had one in my whole career. It's on my Instagram. I talk about it a lot. I don't think there's anything wrong with these things happening. I think if you, it's not if something goes wrong, it's if you know what to do when something goes wrong. I reversed it. She's one of my best clients. We talk almost every week. Um, absolutely. Like it, best thing to happen. No, worst thing to happen to the best person. She was so good about it. I was like, it was my first yeah. one. Oh, it was it's horrible and it makes you feel horrible because no one becomes oh, a no. nurse or a doctor with intentions to hurt someone. Um, yeah, but it happened. Haven't, oh, touch wood, haven't had one since. The Another thing that can happen is also with dermal filler. So that exact same thing I'm talking about, vascular occlusion, can happen in more high-risk areas like through here. Um, that's a risk of blindness. There's only been two cases reported in Australia. In the rest of the world, it's a more common. I think a lot more things are going to come out. Like that's, I really want to look at research because in the past few years, this is this industry has boomed, but the research hasn't followed. So it's really interesting to see more research come out. That is worst case scenario. Um, it's you got to be so unlucky. Mm. So many things have to go wrong before something like that happens. If I thought it's a risk and I don't want to um, downplay a risk, but if that was a huge risk, I wouldn't be able to do this job. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. So I don't inject riskier areas. I refer people on who are happy to do those areas. I just, not for me. Yeah, I can understand <laughs> I that. I just, I get upset when I bruise someone. Oh. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, it's. A risk of what's happening. <laughs> so not really side effects. And then it's all very individualized. Yeah. So if someone's on medications, if they've had other procedures, you know, you're looking at your patient holistically. There is this thing, and you've referred to it a little bit, you know, that like when people start to have things done, it's quite addictive, you know, because you're starting to look better, you know, mm-hmm. things are changing. It's quite yes. nice. It's so hard to know when to stop. Do you, it, like, should people be aware of the fact that it's quite addictive? This is, yeah, that's actually a really great question as well because it is one of the biggest things that my clients say to me like when they first have treatment, they're like, oh, my God, it's so addictive. Um, I'm going to be addicted to this. And I'm like, I won't let you. Like, So that's my personal policy. Like if someone came in to me, and it happens all the time actually where people come in, they're like, I want this. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And here's (laughs) why. If I can see what you're seeing, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely, Mm. let's do that. Um. People come into me and they're like, I want all this stuff. I'm like, hold up, let's just, mm. let's go slow and see what first. But then on the other scale, some people come into me and I'm like, you need a lot of work to regen- to take you back to where you need to be. It's so individualized. Um, a good practitioner won't let you get addicted. 
Mm, yeah. yeah. And so if we want, you know, if you start to decide that you want fillers or you want um, the other um, procedures that you can do, yeah. yeah. What what kind of financial commitment are we looking at? Well, like how much should this be costing us? Um, it, it varies from clinic to clinic um, and patient to patient, depending mm. on what you need. I... There's no easy way to answer that. I think the biggest thing is um, go in with a budget. And, yeah, yeah, if like, and I say that all the time to my clients. I'm like, what were you happy to spend today? Because I don't want to go over that. And then you're like, oh, what have I done? Like, I think be smart about it. If you can't afford it and there's a cheaper option, just don't do it. Like, Mm. you know, like you don't need this. It's not a life-saving procedure. Yes, it feels good, but, um, yeah, like the average price for one mil of dermal filler would be 600 And anti-wrinkle, I don't know, like 500 every four months, every four. So really three times a year. I'm always so conscious of budget because I'm one one of the providers. Like think about how much work women do, like, you got your nails, your hair, your lashes, yeah, tan. Like I think don't – if you can't afford it, you just can't afford it. Don't try and cheap out on these things. When people – that's actually a thing that bothers me. When people try and bargain with me, I'm like, I'm not doing it. Like it's – if you can't afford this, it, now it's just not your time. And that's okay. You are beautiful where you're at. Like this is something – it is a medical procedure, so you need to be aware of it. But um, you're not just paying for a meal. Like I know we see all these lame things on Instagram where it's like you're paying for the skill, not the mill, but it's like you're once I've received that money or not me, my company, whatever, you are now my patient. Anytime I touch you, you're my patient. So I'll be looking at after you from the consult to the follow-up. If anything goes wrong, like I, you know, all these things um, that I'll pick up my phone if something goes wrong. It's a full-time job. So I think, yeah, when people try and barter me on money, I'm like, sorry. I've done, yeah. But yeah, yeah. And also think about the amount of work that you've had to put in to get to the place where you're able yeah. to do that. You know, you've done your nursing yeah. degree, you're a qualified nurse, you've spent eight years yeah. injecting, you're currently doing yeah. your master's. I see all the time on Instagram, you're going to conferences, you're learning, you're like, if you're not doing this, you're yeah. studying it. Like that, that's worth I, money, right? I guess, but I'm very lucky that I love what I do. So to me, but you, what I'm saying is you bring all that knowledge to what you do and that's what they're paying for. It's not just the filler. Absolutely. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. You're not just paying Mm. for the product. You're paying for everything else. Um, And Mm. yeah, it's also, it's just like kind of rude when people are like, look, (laughs) I don't go into your job and be like, can you do this for cheaper? Like (laughs) you could, but yeah. So that leads me to my next question. Like there's a lot of conversation now around um, anti-wrinkle injections and at what age you should get them about whether they're good for prevention or whether they're something that you should have once you get a bit older and you started to get wrinkles. What's your opinion? When should we be getting anti-wrinkle injections and like how do they actually work? Okay, so my, this is my very personal opinion. So mm-hmm. I don't – and every practitioner is different – this yep. is just how I like to practice. When girls who are like 20 come into me and they're like, I want this, this, and this, I'm like, you are the fountain of youth. Go out and be beautiful. Like, um, 
But if they're really creasing or and their makeup's getting stuck and they can notice it and it bothers them, more than happy to treat them. But girls whose faces don't even move, they're like, I need it for preventing. And it's like, what are we preventing? It's not even here yet. Like I would wait until it starts to bother you. Um, until you yeah, you're the biggest indicator is if you're makeup is creasing in it and then I would say yeah okay it's time to treat that when a wrinkle isn't even there and your muscles aren't even moving what are you actually treating mm. like so I think it's and in saying that I've seen 20 year olds with really harsh frown lines and then I've seen other 20 year olds who have nothing so it's just what bothers you it's very individualized but I don't treat things that aren't there yeah because that's just um, deceitful like yeah, to me yeah yeah 100%. um I don't think people need to be yeah worried about that just yet is there one thing that you tell all your patients or that you just wish your patients came in knowing probably the biggest thing is this is a medical procedure mm. that is the biggest thing this I am a nurse this is a medical procedure things can just happen like our bodies do weird stuff mm. um <laughs> the biggest, I have this joke with my other cosmetic friends where people will blame anything on getting injectables. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, I got a pimple. It's probably because I had filler and it's like, no, these aren't related. Like I feel like they could have blamed COVID on injectables if they, but but we just do that because it's the newest thing. Yeah. Um, but it is a medical procedure. Yes, it's fun. Yes, we enjoy it, but we also need to take it seriously. Things can go wrong. Things we got to be aware of it. Um, you're not smarter than your own body because mm. people always like get filler and then they're like, I'm going to put makeup on. I'm like, you'll give yourself an infection. Mm. Um, people come in on antibiotics. You cannot have injectables while your body is sick. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's probably a big thing. But just that it's a medical procedure and we have to take it seriously. Yeah. And so yeah. do you think that like the injectable industry feeds into our insecurities or do you think it just offers us the opportunity to fix the things that we are insecure about? It definitely would feed into it. Definitely. Mm. Um, yeah, for sure. I don't want to be like, no way. Cause of course it would like, it's a really complex situation because I used to get a lot of judgment doing what I do, like you're vain, you're this, you're that. And it's like, yeah, but we also, this is much bigger than us. The pressure that women have to stay young and to, it affects everything, mm. like your job, your relationships, how you, how people see you. So I, I suppose what you're saying is, is that like society goes, you're a woman, you've got to stay young, you've got to be attractive, we won't take you seriously unless you look a certain way. And then when you go out and you'd fix it, society goes, no, 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 not like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all the time. Yeah, constantly. Yeah, yeah. And then like, yeah, it's hard. It's like such a bigger thing. I can't solve on my own. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, because I always think that I'm like, am I contributing to people not liking themselves? And that worries me. But I always tell this story. When I was 19, I hated my lips so much, and I would smile in photos like this. And then, like, which oh, is so with your hand, over yeah, your yeah, because I had like the smallest lips. And then I went oh. and got my lips done, and I was like, "Yes, I am that girl," and got on, got on with my life. I think mm. we're in a position that we're so lucky we get to choose what we want to do and how we want to look, and like, and if it makes you feel better, then yes, you should do it. But also. I do think we contribute, but I do think we also help. Yeah, and I suppose the the thing is like 
I I imagine that for you, a lot of the time, you're you're always considering whether you're fixing somebody's genuine insecurity or whether they're trying to mask like a mental health problem. Yeah, I do have people that come in, they're like, fix my face, fix my life. I'm like, whoa, (laughs) like (laughs) this isn't going to fix your life. This is going to make you feel better. You shouldn't get work done when you're in emotional distress at all. Yeah. Because if something mm-hmm. goes wrong, you're going to have to deal with two problems. Um, I think the saddest thing is women come into me and they're like, I hate my face. And I'm like, what is wrong? Like, you're so beautiful. Like, how can you not see this? And it's almost like they think saying that they hate themselves will make it okay. Because it's like, don't worry, I know what I look like. It's fine. It's like, you're stunning. I don't think I've met an ugly person. I've met mm. not great personalities, but some people that's absolutely so beautiful they really really are and I'm just doing little things that help them yeah does that help when you work with people and you say look you're stunning can do a tiny bit of something but really you know this is all you yeah yeah I do I do that all the time people like I love what you've done I'm like that was because you're beautiful (laughs) like thank you but that was on you and when I compliment people they're like you're so nice and I'm like oh man if you actually (laughs) if you knew me yeah Come to my comedy gig. (laughs) You have not seen me do stand up. I'm not nice. I'm pointing out. I am nice, but like yeah. But you're also being honest. It's the truth. And a lot of women are so beautiful, and they don't see their beauty, and they think all women are absolutely stunning. And then I get to know them, and they're even more beautiful. And like, oh, if I could tell you the incredible women that I've treated and how much they inspire me, and just like I love them all so much. I get emotional. That was registered nurse and cosmetic injector Rachel Hornbuckle. If you'd like to see some of Rachel's work, follow her on Instagram at Rach underscore injector. You can find That's Helpful there too, at That's Helpful Pod. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, leave me a little review on your podcasting app. It is bringing me such joy reading your reviews. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends about our little self-improvement club. I love you all. I'll catch you again at the same time next week. I'm Ed Stott, and I sincerely hope that's helpful.